what is going on? Wonderful Wednesday. Great to see everyone. Welcome to the Cold Calling Podcast. I'm your new host. Hold up. Wait a minute. Can you hear me now? Is this thing on? Are my microphones on? Microphone check. One, two, one, two. I, I got to make sure that we do a mic check. I also got to make sure that my phone, yeah, that 500-pound banana phone is on. Welcome to the Cold Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Long Jr., CEO, that's Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. The Cold Calling Podcast is powered by my great friends at Monster Connect. Now, you might be asking, what in the world does Monster Connect do? I'm glad that you asked. They leverage technology, they leverage resources, actually man and woman power to deliver actual conversations to B2B sellers. If you're a business to business seller and you're looking to connect with and actually have conversations with anywhere between eight and 12 decision makers, decision makers per hour, you need to check out Monster Connect. Now, our hope is that by joining the Cold Calling Podcast, you're going to gain insights from sales reps, from sales leaders that will help you right now in your day-to-day, whether you're prospecting, whether you're full cycle, whether you're enterprise, whether you're an entrepreneur, we want to serve you. We want to help you, yes, you, to understand and succeed in sales. Now, I did want to give you all a preview of what we're going to be talking about. And I shared this in a message a little earlier today this thing called imposter syndrome. If you've ever battled imposter syndrome in the chat for my LinkedIn folks, for my folks on YouTube, go ahead and let me know. Just just put a one if you've ever battled imposter syndrome. I shared a story and I've got several of them. Cold calling, I can tell you, when I was calling on CPA, uh, accounting firms, I got to use my fingers to count. So I got to thinking, how am I going to call and add value to accountants who do this day to day? They live with the numbers. They're comfortable with the numbers. And me, I'm uncomfortable with the numbers. So here goes what I leaned on. I leaned on my script. Hello, this is Larry Long Jr. calling with Profit Sense. How are you today? And that got me a whole bunch of this. Click, click. I had one accountant, I'll never forget, out of New Jersey who said, hey, Larry, (laughs) I got something for you. He said, I want you to put on a pair of concrete shoes and jump off a bridge. I said, oh, my goodness. I looked in our manual. I tried to find how do you overcome the jump off a bridge objection. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find it. So I had to think on my toes. I had to think, what do you say to someone that tells you? put on a pair of concrete shoes and jump off a bridge. I said, God bless you too. And then I hung up on myself and I can tell you that it took me a while to get over to make that next call. It was definitely some call reluctance uh, to pick up that phone again. Uh, uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, someone's knocking at the door. I think we uh, know who it is. Uh Uh-oh, knock, knock. Oh, <laughs> he made it. Uh-oh. <laughs> you must have been out there selling some mangoes, Donald. I was on the corner selling a couple mangoes, man. Um, eating some, too. You don't know what I mean? <laughs> eating some mangoes. Oh, well, Actually, I did have mango last night, my uh, my dessert. 
uh, a dinner snack was <laughs> a mango. So, oh man, well, thank you for joining. We truly appreciate it. I am honored to welcome today's guest who seriously does it all. I would ask the question, are you from Jamaica? But I already know the answer to that. I mean, my man is a sales trainer. He's a coach. He's a sales professional, a sales leader. He's the author of the book, Sell It Like a Mango. He's a podcast host, a podcast producer. Ooh, I got to catch my breath after all that. I feel like I'm chasing Usain Bolt. I got to take a bite out of my mango. He's my colleague. He's my friend. He's the sales evangelist, which you can see right behind him, TSE. Let's give it up for Donald Kelly. Larry, man, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the kind words and just super pleased to be able to be here and super excited for you, man. You got to add another notch to your level. Now a podcast host, man, um, and all the good stuff you're doing. So really excited for you and thrilled to be able to be here and it's an honor, uh, honestly. Thank you. Man, the privilege is all mine. So I like to get started with Let's the go. first segment. I call this who, what, and why. And I'm asking you, who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? The mic is all yours, Donald. So you kind of gave a little intro there. Who am who who am I? I want to go a little bit deeper into that component. So grew up as a kid in Jamaica. Um, went to moved to Florida when I was nine. So early, early, you know, adolescent years. Um, nine on, I've been in Florida. And um, my family's here, so big Jamaican roots. But one of the things, though, you learn as a Jamaican, we talk about this in the book, is Jamaica has really awesome education. Uh, it's just that the economy is not great. It's classified as still as a third world country. So you're looking at in um, people, one of the biggest export out of Jamaica is it's people. They come to the UK, they go to Florida, I mean, to the US, they go to some of these other places to be able to come and learn and to, uh, you know, and find good jobs. As a kid, you know, you find you see people always hustling, um, whether they have like a business or the whole mango thing or my family coming to the U.S., my aunt buying products, selling it in Jamaica. So I grew up around that. My dad was an entrepreneur in Jamaica as well. So who I am is someone I, as a kid, I wanted to be a businessman. Um, and then as I grew and went into college I in the States, I realized like, uh, that was uh, being, you know, I had the idea learned from one of my friends about the idea of being a sales professional. And um, that's when I realized that entrepreneurship is selling, uh, so to speak. Uh, and and um, I started to really grow from that standpoint. Uh, I have a family. I have a, a four-year-old. My wife and I were down here in South Florida. Um, and it is uh, that's where our family reside and all of our, some of our extended family. And it's a fun spot. Um, and I love, love, love selling. I think I probably shared that. So the idea of helping people problem solve and to help people discover something that they may not necessarily have known about that could be a solution for a challenge to have, that excites me. That's the fun part of selling when somebody gets it and you're able to help them solve a problem. And, and I, so we do that with our podcast. So that's who, um, what I do, I kind of covered that, the why behind it. So here's the component, go a little deeper, Larry. So in 20, uh, probably like 2001-ish, um, family fell on some really tough financial times. We lost our home. We were houseless, but we had a home that we could go to. My mom, brother, and sister, our family split up, went and lived with a cousin. 
And I went and lived with another relative so I can go to the magnet school that I was going at uh, down here in South Florida. And, um, and it was tough. It was depressing um, just not being with my family, being across town. And then uh, one of my best friends found out about it, had me moving with them. Awesome family. You know, he's my brother to this day, right? Um, close friends to our family. And I live with them while my mom got back on her feet. Larry, that period of that time in my life was really, really tough. Um, even though you look back on it, you learned a lot. It was awesome in the sense that lessons learned. But the why behind it, Larry, is I never wanted my family to be in a situation like that. With the skill that I've learned, being a business, want to be a businessman, sales became that avenue as a means where I can help to create generational wealth or create means for my family and I. It's a very lucrative career when done right. And the why behind it, there's so many. When I remember when I first started off in professional selling, I had a really difficult time actually finding success. And I realized that there was a pattern after I went through some training and I got help and got guidance and I started to see a hockey stick in my performance. So it then became this uh, this this desire or internal goal to help the next DK that's trying to understand the sales thing that was spinning around in circles and trying everything and it wasn't working, giving them some order and some direction, thus the birth of the sales evangelist, being able to evangelize what was working for me that can help somebody else, whether it's to create that generational wealth or create income or to help their family alleviate some of the stress, uh, financial stress that can come through. And sales is just a wicked, pretty, uh, wicked cool job that you can do to be able to uh, accomplish that and see that. So that was the what, the how, and the... Yeah, who, the what, and the why. <laughs> I love it. You nailed it. Ding, 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 ding. I guess you could say that uh, you hit a triple. Let's and, go. Uh, we're we're going to take that thing on home, Donald. <laughs> Donald, you, you mentioned, and I read your book, and yeah. it was amazing. And, and I shared this with you before, but I want to share it to our listeners, to our viewers. I got to thank Donald because he wrote a nice, heartfelt note inside of his book that he sent to me with a message that just touched my heart as I was writing my book. And that encouragement meant more than he will, he, and then he knows and then he'll ever know that encouragement helped me. But as I read your book, there were some themes. And some of those themes, you mentioned one, desire. You talked about process. You talked about purpose. And for you, your family and your faith, which is amazing. If you don't mind, you talked about that desire, that uh, where you, you've been before, you don't ever want to go there again. I'm curious, when you think about process, when you think about purpose, tell me more. Oh, man. Like those, that triple P, right? You know, that, t, that DPP there, desire, process, and purpose. I feel, uh, in, from my my uh, my my ability and from my vantage point, I've been able to work with sales reps. And fortunately, companies would invest in their sellers. And unfortunately, sometimes sellers don't grasp that. And I, I feel I feel I feel bad for them in that sellers that don't take it advantage of those opportunities. And I see it as like you can bring the the horse to the water, but you can't force the the horse to drink. And no matter how great you are as a uh, sales educator or uh, a sales trainer, you cannot teach somebody to do something if they don't have the desire. Um, and then to go back to the idea, like with my faith, like I had a, 
some of you all, and you've probably seen those kids around here riding on the bicycle and the white shirts. Uh, so I went to Brigham Young University, so put two and two together there, right? Um, so in, in this inner city, sometimes you go out and you try to teach people about God and you try to you know do service and you can be the nicest person and want to help with service, but somebody's not willing to receive service, whether you cut the grass or help them out, you can't really force them. And the same thing when it comes to the you know, idea of a faith, you don't you can't tra- change people. Some people just like a, where they are. And I, and I used that and I saw the same thing in a business in my sales career and in my sales education, not everybody wants to change. Not everybody wants to improve. Some people are perfectly fine coasting. They may or may not, they come close to hitting quotas, so they're not on the radar of getting on a PIP plan, but they're okay to coast. And that's not cool with me. You got to have a desire. You got to have a passion. You got to have a purpose. Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why, phenomenal book. The concept, again, is that everyone should have that burning desire. What is it that gets you out of bed, that pushes you, that guides you? You can't have someone force you to do something. You got to have the internal uh, purpose. And when it comes to the processes, like if you have a desire, anyone, anyone, anyone can thrive with a great process straight up. And I'm not saying my process is the only process that works because in many instances, maybe tomato, tomato compared to some of the other sales educators that are out there. The key, the key though, is that you don't, you can't, a process won't work unless you do, and you won't do unless you have a desire. So with that desire, with that process, that's where the, that's where you start seeing the the production. That's where you start seeing um, some of the the the, the flow. You start to so start seeing the magic um, that can happen. And I've I, I've learned to systematize every, almost every area of my life. Do I have it all systematized? No. I'm but I continue to thrive because that's the the whole idea, right? Are there different places that I can thrive on? I try to schedule my days and to plan it out. And when I systematize, when we have processes for guest intake, we have processes for when we train an organization, we have processes for when we're posting content. But these processes helps us to be able to do things systematically and to be more consistent and be more successful. And it's the same concept when it comes to selling. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, Donald, love you sharing that. Mm. I call this spill the tea. And I'm going to ask you to spill the tea, man. Can you give us a little preview? I know you got an upcoming Sales Blazer Theater session coming up at Dreamforce in September. And I think it's called Why Go to Network is this Sales Blazer's Next Move. Give, mm. give our audience, and before our before mm. you get into it, I want to share with our audience any questions that you have for Donald, any questions that you have for us. The cold calling podcast is open to all. Please drop your questions. I know that we got uh, Garner Morantis, two giants in the sales game. Thank you so much, Garner. Appreciate your support. We got Philip Udeka, who said that he's ready. We ready. So, we hey, ready. just a little sneak. Give us a little sneak peek in the what you're talking about, Willis. All right, let's go. Let's go. So um, I can't say I come up with this title, Scott Lisi. And any, anyone who's not following Scott Lisi, you need to go follow him. You go search him on LinkedIn, a giant in the sales arena. And this is a topic that he had shared with Dreamforce um, and being a part of the sales influencer community. That one was, uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was, it was selected. And the concept behind this and from the way that I see it, I'll share from my standpoint, Scott has a, a, a another means of going about it. But the point is, oftentimes we neglect our network and we neglect our community 
when it comes to going to market. Like when it's it's not so often we've gone for the the yin and the yang. So often, and I, I'll, I'll probably say go back to the back in the days, everybody would go to their network and you know to try to sell to people that they know or try to get people introduction. When LinkedIn first came around, that's what people were doing mostly on LinkedIn was trying to get introduction to people or find jobs. Right now, go to Pendulum swung the other way where we we got tools and uh, abilities to be able to do outreach and we started outreaching with processes and systems at scale to the point now that a lot of people took that for um took that for um took advantage of that and you see a lot of like blah messages or blah outreach and the buyers know the game they know the play you have multiple generations that's went through that now you have the you know gen xers and you have the gen uh, the millennials and you have even the um gen z's that are part of this uh you know getting these emails now and sending some of these emails so it's kind of we know the game plan already with these automated emails it's not anything like amazing you got to make sure you do something deeper but one of the concepts that the pendulum is swinging back to is that people go to their network they go to their community they go to the people that the tribe that they have and you can use that as a means to be able to help get your product or go to market with that product now i want to give you a snippet of it on linkedin let me ask if i ask people right now how many how many connections you have on LinkedIn? Just go ahead and drop it in the chat and let us know how many you have in, on LinkedIn. Yeah, and you're probably going to see numbers like you know I have 500 plus, I have a thousand, I have two thousand, I have sixteen thousand, I have a sixteen. I ain't, I ain't Larry love level yet, but Larry got a bunch, right? So but the thing is about it though that what tends to happen is you know we get to a Larry we get to a point where a lot of people are following us and it's very difficult to be able to build relationship with all those people at a, on a consistent level. So one of the strategies that I've come to learn is that I need to make sure that I'm not just collecting connections and followers like Pokemon cards, but seek to be able to build relationship with as many of them as possible. So let me give you an example. One strategy that I do is I take advantage of the birthday feature. Hear me out before y'all start saying stuff. LinkedIn has put on the on your, if you click on network on that page, there you see like the connections. We need to make sure we're nurturing the connections. Just as much I'm nurturing for net new business on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm going to my network on a day-to-day -day level and reaching out to like five, six, seven people and having a personal dialogue with that individual. Now, you're going to do this. If you imagine you do this daily for five days a week, even if you just say on average three days a week, you're reaching out to people that you're connected to, that you already have connection to on LinkedIn, that in your ideal customer profile that's active on the platform on a regular basis, you're going to find that you have a much better chance of being able to get connected to people that can get business from or can lead you to people who could be in, uh, in, in, um, in buy your product or your service. So the concept, again, is going to your network, go to your tribe, go to your community, people that you already know and already like you to be able to get information on potential services that you can use and also to be able to help you get to market. So let me give you an example with a birthday. So LinkedIn have the new celebration section. You click on down and every day they tell you who has birthday. All you got to do is open up the app on LinkedIn. You do the, uh, on, on the app, um, you send them a voice message saying something like, Larry, uh, hope you're having a happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Larry. Hope you're having a good time, man. Enjoy, uh, you know, give, I uh, hope you have a, a big, big jolt of energy today. But that little gesture of like 10 seconds is going to help you, Larry, to say, oh, man, I'm warming up my network to that opportunity. That simple thing I'm telling you has been money for me. One dude I sent, and Steve, I don't know if you're listening to watching this, uh, but um, sent him a, he was, I saw his post and he was celebrating a birthday. So I went on uh, the app, I mean, on the, the DM and I sent him a video saying, Steve, he was in South Florida, in Florida at that time. I said, hope you're having a happy birthday. He is visiting down here from the Midwest. Hope you're having a happy birthday. I see that you're in Florida. Enjoy it, man. 
no, at 20, whatever age looked good on you or something. Dude took that, showed it to his wife. He's like, can you believe this? That led to an opportunity. We did some consulting with that company. Then it led to them to going through one of our cohorts, our LinkedIn training program. And then, um, so money came from it. End result wasn't money. It was to take advantage of my network, which then led to opportunities. Larry, think about how many of those Steves that we have in our network that we ain't touching, man. And then we're out going out hunting for net new business all the time. Again, nothing against that. We got to do them cold calls. We got to do outreach. In addition, can your network, can your tribe, can your community help you to go to market? And the answer is, is definitely, but we have not taken advantage of it as much as possible. So we'll go a little bit more into that as we go blaze some trails in September in, uh, in San Francisco. Man, you got me excited. I cannot wait to join that session. I love the tip on the birthdays. Donald, this is something that we can all do. All the listeners, all the viewers, you can do this. Yeah. Donald shared it earlier. Will you? He's mm. talking about building relationships. He's talking about these quote unquote little things that mean so much. I think I even heard him say your network is your net worth. And I'm going to take it a little bit deeper. It's not what you know. And it's not even who you know. It's who knows you. Who Come on. trusts you. Who believes in you. Who's showing you to their wife saying, wow, this guy is amazing. That really makes things happen. And mm -hmm. Donald said, we don't do this to not have cold outreach. We do this in addition to picking up that 500 pound phone. Ooh, I love it, Donald. Now we got to get in the cold call. Let's go. Let's go. Let's How go. did you first get introduced to cold calling? And if you were to rewind back, what were your initial thoughts around cold calling or I think you might have been doing some cold knocking as well. Come on, man. So, yeah. Um, so I, I went to school out west at Brigham Young University. And a lot of the BYU guys, you've gone to, they did a mission with uh, the, their church, the church, LDS Church. And so it's just like a breeding ground for some of these door-to-door -door companies. So naturally, one of the things that I did one summer was I did door-to-door -door security sales. I mean, I'm not afraid of knocking on a door. Now you knock on doors for two years trying to, you know, sell religion, so to speak. I uh, hope that, that's not sacrilegious. But, you know, you're talking about, you're trying to do that for two years. I mean, what is it selling security? I mean, you have no, no fear at this point. Um, so I did that and that was really, really, um, it was eye-opening. The cold calling component, business to consumer cold calling on the phone came when I did Dish Network over the phone one year in college. So we would call these families at six o'clock in the evening on their you know, house landline at that point and trying to tell them, what, uh, trying to help them uh, sell to them Dish Network. Um, talk about a tough one, right? You're getting social over the phone and running credit and all of that. It's a, it was a tough gig, but it helped me again. So not having too much fear from door to door, now you're doing the over the phone. Um, and then the next step was we did, I did timeshare. So got people to go to timeshare presentations. So you're the, the BDRs at the time we were inside sales. We would set up the appointments for what we call the sharks or the sales reps at those timeshare um, presentation. By the way, if you ever go to a timeshare, don't tell them you can't afford it. Tell them it's not in your plans right now. Because if you tell them something about you can't afford it, they're going to figure out a way. Um, but tell me, just it's not in your plans right now. Go get that free uh, um, dinner or whatever you're going to get. <laughs> so the, I did those things, and it was good because I it was it was well. Let's back up. It's challenging in the sense, even though I didn't, you got so you're you're not as fearful of rejection. No matter who you are, you still have that little 
little tendency to worry or to start telling yourself lies. And the lies that we tell ourselves is that somebody might be upset or somebody may not be interested. But if we look at the other side to that and we tell ourselves, this is what I told myself every day I used to go, um, I'm a faith-based person, Larry. So I used to pray and sit down as a, as, a, as a software sales rep. I used to say, God, lead me to the person that's interested in our product or service today. And it says, whoever you believe in or whatever you believe in, or if you don't do that, just say a mantra or say your affirmations. I know there's somebody out there who need our product or service today. And you go out and there's somebody that's going to do it, somebody that's going to need it. I mean, the law of averages are in your favor. But the thing is, there are people out there. So I don't focus on the things that could go wrong. We need to focus on the things that could go right, the people that we could help and the benefit that we could bring to those individuals. So that was a, that's an important part when it comes to cold calling. And then so those things were my early days. And when I got into B2B cold calling, that one was another game changer as well. So leaving the consumer world, it was a little bit easier to contact people, but going into the B2B side was a little bit more challenging. But as I did it more, as I did it, one of the things I realized, and I talk about this in a book, I would call into these executives and to these uh, big organization. And I felt that what do I know as this little old junior seller trying to contact this, this executive VP? But it turns out after months of doing that, Larry, I realized, no, I don't have the tenure in business as they do, but I had way more knowledge about our software and the challenges associated with that solution than they did, even though they were executives. So I became an expert in my niche, so to speak, after doing this for six months that allowed me to be able to have better conversation and to go back to what we talked about, being able to help them better. And as I looked at it as a means of me providing help rather than me being a junior person without a lot of business acumen, it made a difference in my conversation and eliminated that fear or that frustration not um, that can come from the rejection. So look for people that you can help and opportunities. So Man, wrapping it for you, you, you nailed it. And Donald, you must be looking at my notes because I, mm. I wanted to talk to you about dealing with rejection. How do you deal with striking out? But but even before that, I shared this in my opener. I just recently had a bout of imposter syndrome. I was supposed to go up on stage after lunch, which, you know, everyone's ready for a siesta. The opening <laughs> keynote, he killed it. He crushed it. His name is Eric Ream Dynamite. And when I saw him, I said, uh-oh, Houston, we have a problem. This dude is a beast. How, how am I going to follow that? And, and this voice in my mind, I call it Cletus. I had to say, come on, Cletus. It was telling me all the stuff I couldn't do. And it gave yeah. me flashbacks to when I was making calls to accounting firms, CPAs. I got to use my fingers to count. How am I going to sell software to a CPA? Have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome? And what was your strategy for overcoming that, that, that feeling? Every day, Larry. Every day. I still deal with imposter syndrome. I ain't going to lie to you. Every wow. day. And I, the biggest thing I have is my, my wife as my support system. Because here's the thing, you we talked about this the other day when it came on our pod. Like we look at where somebody is right now, and that's their 20 years of doing something, and we don't we don't give credit to our one year of doing that particular thing. So I look at some of the folks that are ahead of the game and ahead of me in the game when it comes to sales education, because I still have a vision and that vision is very bright. And I'm not saying this to be pompous, but I, my vision is to be the number one sales education organization in the world. Like straight up, like Sandler, I like you, but I want to topple Sandler, Sandler someday. Like everybody else that's out there, I'm a competitive person. So I want to be number one 
in in the world regarding that. So please don't get offended, anyone. But that's just the that's just my beast mode. Like I, I want to go into. So with that, if I want to be the number one education organization in the world, a sales education organization in the world, there's things that I need to do to be able to help to get to that vision. And that's really to bring about value, bring enough value, help enough people naturally. That's going to come as a byproduct from that. So then go back to this thing. I see some folks sometimes like, dang it, man, look at this person, or dang it, man, look at that, man. And you could start comparing and you might say, I'm not good as them. I can't articulate as well as them. I can't do that as well as them. I can't do that. I do that every day we have that. But the thing that I go back to is then go back and say, I'm not for everyone though. Like straight up, Apple is not for everyone. People are listening to this. Not everyone here has an Apple phone. Not everyone is on a Mac. But why do they still have what? $10 trillion, right? (laughs) And it's like, it's a reason because they focus on who they're supposed to help. And I, in my book, I talk about this idea when it comes to the music. I think I did. I, I'm growing up as a kid. You know, you, you, everybody in Jamaica, yeah, yeah, Bob Marley, fine and mine. Everybody love reggae. So here's one of the things we talk about in the book, though, um, Larry, is like you are, um, and, and sorry, as a kid in Jamaica, like everyone may not necessarily like reggae. Everyone don't necessarily fond to that, bond to that music. But Bob Marley didn't allow, didn't stop singing because everybody didn't like his music. When that genre was very small and a small group of people were listening to it, I mean, now they're making a movie, a motion picture, like a big movie for Bob Marley releases like next year. The concept there, again, it it became to the point where he had a vision, he had a, a, a focus that he was on, and that led to that uh, people who listened to that music and heard the music, it gravitated towards them. So though my music may not be for everyone, the people that gravitated towards, those are those. that's what I need to help, and those are the people I need to help. If I look so much at your audience, Larry, the, you know, Larry's over here playing rock music, and I'm looking at Larry's audience, and I neglect the fact that I need to practice my craft and play my reggae, I'm neglecting the people out there that could listen to it and hear me. There's 8 billion people on this planet right now. I don't need that, you know, the millions that so-and-so have. I need to focus on the people that like reggae, quote-unquote, the people that like the message that I have, the people that gravitate towards that. So when I come to the imposter syndrome, my wife tells me sometimes, like, look at where you have come from, not necessarily where you're, not not, not where you uh, haven't gotten to yet. And when I look back and see where I've come from, it's like, yes, this stuff does work. Yes, it does help people. Let me look forward now and go help those people that are out there that could be a part of this, that light reggae, so to speak, if I'm making sense with that, Larry. So on that imposter syndrome, and then you also, I look at my um, Google reviews. I ain't trying to be vain, but I go to my Google reviews and I read the reviews and I see what people say about us. And I look at the website. So when I get into that imposter syndrome, I'm like, I can't do this. It's not as good. I'm like, screw that. I'm Donald freaking Kelly. DFK is the thing that we say. Donald freaking Kelly, right? Um, that's not my middle name. It's Donald C. <laughs> the C is for Cecil. <laughs> but DFK, Donald freaking Kelly. I get into that's the that is the persona I put on when I go on stage. That's the persona I put on when I go on podcasts. When I talk to my friends, sometimes I'm like, you know, a little bit more docile, a little bit chill. But when I get in front of the camera, when I get on stage, when I'm going in front of a group, when I'm going training, I put on the persona of DFK, Donald freaking Kelly. And I know that I'm going to speak to that audience. I'm going to go play some reggae, quote unquote. And there's a group of people that want to hear that. And that's what I need to focus on. I can't compare myself to other people if I'm going to really help this group that I'm assigned to or given um, the blessed the opportunity to be able to serve. You killed that. You kill. You gave me so much. My head is spinning, and I'm gonna give you a remix. That's Donald M. F. Kelly. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I know HR is listening, so we won't expand on that. But you, you talked about perspective, 
You talked about the focus of helping someone. You talked about your faith. Lead me to that person that I can help today Mm -hmm. and not making it about you, not comparing yourself. You talked about your support group and your wife. What a beautiful blessing right there. And I got to tell you, your vision to be the number one sales organization is inspiring and you're well on your way, man. I love, love, love to see it. Now, I know in the book, you talked about a differentiator being yeah. hard work as, as one of the keys to your success, grinding, grinding, grinding. I want to know from you, what are some of the other key skills that you found to be essential to have success in sales? And I think we can say sales, business, life. What are some of those critical few skills that we need if we want to have success there? So one of the key, the, the uh, I say the skill set of being able to ask effective questions, which ties closely to the concept of curiosity. Um, like I think if a, if it's a skill set, you got to be willing. You got to be. You got to know how to ask effective questions. So one of the things that I strive to do is like um, I even like uh, go and Google sometimes some some psychology questions um, or, you know, go back and instead of answering uh, a question all the time, answer a question with a question that go and practicing the concept of going deeper with individuals and going deeper and being curious. But the moments I find when I'm curious, whether it's in sales or about a business or about an industry, about a product, or whether it's, uh, you know, in a conversation I'm in, I'm, I try to go try. I'm curious about that um that person, the skill set of asking effective questions improve, and it helps me to be able to have better conversations with people and be able to find uh, help them with their with their problems. But if I if I'm a sales professional, I'm telling you, yeah, you work hard, but master the skill of effective question. And one of the easiest questions any sales people, any sales pro can ask BDRs, no matter where you sit on the spectrum, you just can ask. Tell me more. Or interesting. Why is that? Like, if you can just ask that simple question in any of your discos or any of your conversation, the pr- people are going to tell you a little bit deeper. The constant, the, the idea behind this, and go back to psychology, is that nobody tells you right out the gate the problems. They're not going to say, you know, you're not going to call me up on the phone, Larry, and I'm going to be like, first time meeting Larry, and Larry's like, hey, Donald, how you doing? And I'm not going to say, well, Larry, you know, man, you know, Uncle Joe just got arrested because he was a decent exposure. Like, I'm not going to go tell you some of those life problems or things that are going deep and uh, that's going on. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, Larry, that, you know, we are facing this like major crisis in our family. We're not going to tell you that stuff. So typically we give, we take the surface level answers all the time. Same thing with the prospect. You call up a prospect, the prospect are going to say, oh, you might, hey, you know, we want to tell you about our, you know, whatever, our uh, marketing software. And they're not going to say, well, yeah, we need that because our company, our marketing system sucks. Like no one is going to tell you that out the gate. But once you start talking to people and you're curious about them, layers start to peel back as uh, Donkey says from Shrek, you know, the donkey, like the onions, right? (laughs) You start to peel back these layers. Then you start to realize there's more to it than said. And the only way you get to those is interesting. Tell me more. Um, it sounds like there's a story behind that, Larry. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Can you emphasize on that? That's an interesting point. Why do you think that's the case? Like the more I can do those and be, the more I'm curious about something, not gen, not parroting something and saying, well, Larry, can you tell me more? But genuinely curious, like that's mind-blowing, Larry, that you guys are that um, big of an organization. I'm curious, how did the, how did your role help the organization get there? Like wh- what do you think you guys have done? Like but then now you're going to start telling me more and I start going deeper. The point is, that idea of being better at asking effective questions is going to help us, especially if you're working hard. I feel there's no such thing as luck. 
Um, so if I ever get on one of my favorite podcasts is Guy Guy Ross um, podcast uh, is, you know, how I built this. Uh, when we get to that level, right, we'll get on Guy's podcast. But one of the things guys ask at the end is like, is it luck or is it hard work? And I feel that there's no such thing as luck. Luck is the intersection where hard work meets an opportunity, right? It makes sense there. So you're doing the work, you're doing, you're doing stuff, and then you tend to get lucky. I tend to got lucky from doing a podcast because I tell you some of, and this is one thing I want to point out too, Larry. When it comes to it, like sometimes I find people who, you know, they might scoff at like, you know, Donald, you know, how, how does he have this podcast? Or when I first started, like, what does he know about sales? And I remember one guy, you know, was a troll in one of the comments saying, you know, what does person know about sales? He looked like so young. I'm like, bro, come and see my numbers then if you want to ask questions. And we didn't, we can go into conversation about that. But the point though, that I, what I try to go back to people and when it comes to like this, this idea is yes, I've gotten lucky though. I gotten lucky, quote unquote, in the sense of hard work, meeting opportunities. Many people could have been had their podcast started off and, and 10 years ago and could have had their show way further than I have and could have had their business way further. But the thing is, they didn't do it because they were afraid of it and they told themselves a lie. I told myself that, hey, what the heck that could happen? I'm going to try this thing. And 10 years later, our podcast is where it's at right now because I took a risk. And because of that, I had a lot of opportunity to come along the way. So because I'm consistent and doing the work, the hard work, I got lucky over the years, quote unquote, because opportunities came my way. Same thing with you as a sales rep. The person that's not making a cold call is not going to get lucky with those opportunities. The person that's not reaching out to people is not going to get lucky with the deal. The person who's not doing the outreach is not going to get lucky with the bluebird that fall on their lap because that's those opportunities that come when you're actually in the game doing the darn thing. It's like, you know, you can't stay underneath the shade or um, underneath the, the awning. And, you know, in, in, expect to not, in, in, you want, if you want to get wet, go in the rain, you're going to get wet. There's going to be opportunities in there. I just, so you got to be out there. You got to be doing it. You got to be in the game. Go back to baseball. You got to be, you know, if it's football or soccer, you, if it's a track, you got to be doing the thing. And if you do the thing long enough, you get lucky or opportunities come your way. Come on, Larry. I'm, I'm- Man, I love it. Preach, preach. Now you talked about curiosity mm. and the power of questions. And, and for those in the back, I'm going to report. I'm going to re-repeat. He gave you the question. Tell me more. It sounds like there's a story behind that. I'm going to add on. I'm going to add on to it. Walk me through your process. What's holding you back? These are all questions that you can implement. And everyone can implement them, but not many people do. Most people want to share and spit up about how great they are. Now, you talked about questions, which instantly got me to my wife and I had this conversation about chat GPT and the importance <laughs> of asking the right questions. I just want to know, give me the pulse from what you've seen. How is technology changing the game in cold calling and in sales from your perspective? Making the game easier, making it easier, making it easier. So here's the thing, Larry. When it goes back to like computers, uh, somebody shared this one with me, uh, and I thought it was a perfect analogy, um, or if it's an analogy for it. But you know, somebody back in the eighteen, in the early 1900s, the accountant, or even the 1940s, 50s, the accountant that did things by hand and on paper, is amazing, is great at their job. But then come along this thing called a computer in like the 60s, 70s, or when you know, computers start coming to mainstream. And then all of a sudden you got some kids coming out of college and they're able to utilize technology and do the work that the senior accountant that have a lot of experience is able to do because technology was able to help them, right? 
Yep. It's the same idea. We're at this pivotal point where we have, and it, it's not that it replaced, the computer didn't replace those accountants' job. It just allowed them to do their job easier. And this is one thing that people, you know, are on about. We just hired two new, uh, a new writer for our company uh, with our podcast side and our podcast production. And I also started, we also invested in a new AI software, MagicCast. If anybody's in podcasting, you should check that thing out. But what happened is like, why would I hire a writer if this can, AI could spit out the notes? It's not that the main thing that I just want just the AI notes. I want somebody to be able to take the AI con take the content from the AI, take a podcast episode that's 45 minutes. AI is able to help us whittle it down to the key things that we should be looking for and helping to write an effective show note or helping to write a great blog from that that AI may not be able to write as effectively. Or, yeah, AI could spin some of those things up for us, but we need somebody to be able to go back in and to make sure it's right. And AI is not going to do all the keywords like we're supposed to with our consultant or to create it or put it in a system the way that we want it to on our website or whatnot. The point is you still need the human beings. It makes your life easier. And now we're able to pump out more blog posts. So here's this thing, right? If I'm pumping out one blog post a week, now my team could probably pump out three, four, five blog posts per week. Help us with our, we have an SEO consultant we invest in and we take those content and we, we spin that up with some of our SEO juice. And then now I'm getting more people coming back to the website. Technology is helping my team on that side. And when it comes to the sales side, the same thing as well. Your ideal customers, you can put give chat the right criteria, the right things you're looking for. Chat is able to help you then to be able to identify some of the main problems, some of the main issues that you can utilize. John Barros is on a kick right now about AI, and he's speaking at Dreamforce about this. But one of the things John talked about is like, take your team and have them go into what he calls like a jam session. And like, you know, just everyone can share some of the, how they're using AI and how AI is helping them in their outreach efforts and maybe bring up a problem. Like how can we use AI to write a show, uh, a, a call summary? Go ahead and let's everybody jam and see what tools are out there that's free that we can utilize. And I love that concept by John. The point is now teams can look for ways that they can use AI to accentuate their work or help their work rather than thinking it's going to replace their work. But the right questions, the right prompts helps AI to spit out information that you might need. I use this. We're redoing one of our websites for TSC Studios. And we use some of the some AI prompts and man, it's able to spit out some of the content and give us the idea, the challenges our ideal customer is facing, coupled with our SEO consultant. We're able to then create content that are really hyper-focused. So now these web pages and the problems that they're having, the way that we're doing the messaging, the tone that we should follow for these messaging are being focused because AI did the work for us and helping us to be able to make it a life easier. So the point is, I, I know hopefully the point is getting there. AI tools are able to help us, but we got to make sure we feed the things that we need, the proper things, so you can give us the the the, uh, the, res the outcome that we desire. Um, and yeah, use utilize it effectively. I love it. I love it. And I love how you reiterated. We had Barrows on episode one talking about practice and testing and iterating and learning and growing. But you got to do something, which you touched on earlier, Donald. Now, speaking of doing, I want to know what are some tips on how the folks out there can effectively prepare before making cold calls? If they were to pick up that 500 pound phone, how should they get ready? Hello? 
Yeah. <laughs> the thing that you got to do before you get ready is go back to the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing. Tell yourself that on a day-to-day basis. Again, you're probably, I'm probably reach out to 10, 15, 30 individuals. Not all of them is going to believe in that vision yet and see where, see the sales evangelist where I see it in 10, 20 years from now um, as the number one sales organization in the world. They don't see that at this point, but I know that it's going to be there. And there's certain people out there we can help and not everybody that I can help. So I know I need to go back into that vision of where I'm, why am I doing what I'm doing? And also, how can who out there I can help today? People out there who need my product and my service. There are people out there who need our LinkedIn prospecting courses. People out there who need our BDR prospecting courses. People out there who need our mastermind. There are people out there who probably want to join, um, you know, our group coaching. Like there are people out there that need that. I need to find them utilizing AI, utilizing tools like uh, Sales Navigator. Like I'm utilizing tech to help me to whittle down and find those individuals. But I got to make the call. Make the call. So knowing the purpose is the first thing. And then number two, you got to practice what you say. I don't care what you do. Like I remember as a, I didn't do collegiate track and field, uh, Larry. And want to know one of the main reasons why? Why? I'm fast as a natural byproduct. And that's the problem. Like I just, just a Jamaican. I've been running ever since like middle school. And as a kid, you, you know, it's easiest sport to prep for, right? You just go out and run. The thing that I didn't do because I was naturally good at it, Larry, I didn't I didn't, I can go to, I remember one year we started, I'm not doing this to brag, but I'm telling you this as my, my uh, regret. Um, I got up, uh, I would, this, the whole summer I didn't prep the, you know, and the, the nothing, I didn't do anything. Um, it was the, the school was starting and the track season was kicking off. Um, went to a school down here in South Florida and in, in the fall. And I, I got two hurdles from the school, spoke to my coach. It was like a you know, week before school started, I took those hurdles, put them in a the driveway um, well, before the meet started and I did some jumping over some hurdles and did that like one night and I went out and ran and I think I got second place or whatnot. So out of all the people that are running, I'm getting like first and second place or top three. So why do I need to go practice? Iverson practice, what practice, man. Um, <laughs> so I was doing that and doing okay. I got to the regionals level, Larry, and I, I was excited because I'm qualified to get the regionals. When I got to regionals, I got my hand. I got everything handed to me at that point because these fools weren't messing around at that point. These people were practicing the whole summer. They were timing their jumps. They were doing everything they were supposed to. They were work, working on splitting off, trying to break off fraction of a second um, on their, you know, their 200 meter and so forth. They had the forms that they were working on the whole time because I got to this higher level in the game. I wasn't able to stay at that level, and I was what didn't make it to states. Um, if I'd done practicing, if I did what I was supposed to, I would, would have been better. So when it comes to cold calling, yeah, some of you may say I have the gift of gab dumb garbage anyways i have the capability of holding conversation at hand i understand our business and for some of you i mean i'm I'm telling you that's like you're mediocre that's like you're being donald right now in high school right don't do that don't just say i can do this so i don't need to practice but practice what are some of the challenges that people are facing are you reading industry reports are you reading some of the latest blog posts in your industry are you listening to podcasts in your in your niche are you able to articulate some of these points in the conversation are you practicing with your team not talking about like the dumb role plays like you know doing a basic stuff. What is the most challenging things you come up on? Are you listening to tape, going back into gong or going back into, um, you know, any of your, you know, your recordings and listening and seeing what could I've done and what could I improve on and having your team members challenge you with that objection that stumped you the last three times. If you're not doing that before you do the cold call, I'm not saying right before you do the call, but if you're not prepping, 
if you're not having an understanding of your purpose, then good luck. The last piece towards that, so understanding your purpose, practicing, but then the last piece to that is then being able to understand your prospect. Not every prospect is the same. You should understand that role. You can use chat to help you to understand the role. For me, it's maybe the VPs of sales. What are the biggest challenges VPs of sales are facing? What are some of the issues that they have? And then what I can do then is go back to that individual, look at their profile. We call it that three by three. Can I find three things about them in three minutes? Looking at their profile, posts that they might have. We use Sales Navigator. So we use the, high, the spotlight feature where we're able to see people who post on a platform and are new in their roles. So those individuals who are posting on a platform, we can see some of their posts over the past 30 days. And then we can focus our conversation on some of those posts or some of the things that they're doing, some of the interaction they're having on a platform. So not only do I have a purpose while I'm calling, knowing that, not only am I um, practicing and being prepared, when I actually pick up the darn phone, I understand who I'm reaching out to and I'm more relevant to them as well as understanding that our solution may be of relevance to them as an organization as well. And then you just do the darn thing, man. Oh, I love it. I love it. Know your purpose. What's your why? Practice. Understand your prospect, their roles. I love that three by three. Now we're we're about to land the plane and we're going <laughs> to we're, we're going to flip the script. I got to spill the tea coming. But before that, I noticed that in your book, you referenced high performance coach, coach Justin Sua. I think that's how he pronounces his name. Yeah, you did it. Just top 10 things. There were a few that really stood out for me. And, mm. and they were do hard things. Yeah. Choose your attitude. Have a purpose, which you just shared. Recommit every single day and fear no one. When you think about it, I think those were just five. What's one of those that stands out for you right now? Oh, two. Can I do two? Can I get one? Yep. Do hard things and then fear no one. Larry, we have, think about that. When you think of time, time is elusive. Time waits for no one. We probably have 80 years on this rock. Um, You know, you're lucky, you may get a little more than that and, and whatnot. So let's say you have 80, 95, 90 years on this planet, right? What kind of impact are you going to have on those on with those 95 years with those 80 years that you have? What are you going to do to help in, to help mankind or to do something or have an impact, whether that's for your family or maybe that's to help your local community? The point is, when we fear people, when we have fear of stuff, like we limit ourselves from doing what we are God given our God given capabilities or whoever you're believing, like whatever skills you've been you've been blessed with over the course of your life that you develop, you have this time period and you can't worry what other people think or the fear of what other people have. So you fear no one, like screw you. Like I can't worry about what fictional fears or what somebody else going to have out there. Like I just need to go out and fear no one. Just take, take, uh, take, uh, take the opportunity. Now fear is not a bad thing. And I wanted to make it seem like that fear becomes bad when, when, it, when it, in, uh, inhibited us from doing the things that we've been given our talents to. So like, again, I talk about this in a book, fear, we have that natural instinct. So if I'm out in the woods somewhere, I lived out in Idaho for a little bit, right? Went out in the mountains a couple of times and you, you have some bears out there, like go up to Yellowstone, you could probably run into Yogi. You don't want to do that. But um, you go out there and you find, you can run into those animals. My fear instinct at that point tells me like danger, Will Robinson, like there's, this could be, this thing could hurt you. That's okay to have that fear. Now, the reaction and the way you go about doing so, that's like, you know, it's a guidance system. But when you have the fear of things that are on like imaginary things, that becomes very silly. So I might say, I don't want to do this. I don't want what my people think about me. When you look at a presidential election every year, everyone complains. Next year, everyone's going to complain. These are the only two candidates. Well, these are the only two candidates that had the balls, sorry, that had the guts to go and do something. 
Most of the times we say a lot of the good people that should run for president, they say, well, I don't want to do that. It's not going to work. It's going to be hard. Of course, it's going to be hard. Of course, it's going to be difficult. Whatever, nothing ever worthwhile was ever easy. Nothing. You got to put the work in. You got to do your part and you got to make sure it happens. My wife won't let me run. So that's the only inhabitants that I have. But uh, and being born in Jamaica, I could never be president. <laughs> but um, I thought about local government and I thought about local politics. Some of those things that, you know, the different season of my life that I want to get involved in. I'm still working on that, trying to educate her and help her to make that sale, make that sale. But it's not that time yet for me either way. Right. But the point is, what can I do? What can I why should I worry? Why should I fear because of something that you know that people don't even necessarily going to care about me if, if somebody's going to hate people are going to hate no matter what like why should i worry and fear because of that so you got to make sure you, you just don't let fear stop you and then do hard things again this is this is what life is about right it's about progress and progress is not easy if progress was easy then everybody would be successful progress is tough it's difficult it's hard Challenge yourself on a day-to-day -day basis. What can I do that's going to be hard? And cold calling could be that hard thing. But I tell you what, at the end of that cold calling rainbow, there's some pot of gold and you have money to be able to use. Money is not the greatest thing in the world, but Zig Ziglar said it's right up there with oxygen. And it's a great tool that we can utilize to be able to help ourselves, our families and people around us. I may not be able to do politics yet. But I can utilize the, you know, maybe the, the earnings or my skills to be able to help my local community or my church or people that are around me. And that's one of the, you know, one of those good outcomes. So, again, go back to that thing. I have a limited time on this planet. I want to make sure I have impact. I want to make sure I have impact, uh, leave a legacy for my kid and for our, my family and loved ones. And I want to make sure that I do something that's going to matter rather than sit down and worry and fear because of fictional stuff that may not ever happen. Screw that. Man, you couldn't have teed it up any better, Donald. <laughs> we, we've got five minutes left, and uh, this is called the Cold Calling Podcast. Episode one, John Barrows, we chopped it up. No cold calls. Episode two, Cynthia Barnes, we chopped it up. No cold calls. Well, Let's guess what? Go. Episode three, we're going to do some hard Let's stuff. Go. So I'm going to go ahead and activate the Monster Connect, and I'm going to keep it real. I have not practiced. Allen Iverson would be proud of me. Oh, he didn't practice. He's just going in for the game. So here goes Let's what we're go. going to do. I'm going to activate Monster Connect. We're going to see if we can get someone live on Monster Connect. And, and I'm going to see. We won't be able to hear them because of privacy. I've got them in my ear. But All right. You'll be All able right. to hear my approach. And I just want you to give me some honest feedback. I want to get better. <laughs> I want to learn. I want to grow. Let's go. I'm dialing in right now. Let, let's see who we can reach. All right, y'all. Larry doing this thing. Calling. I know he's really calling for real, though, because we uh, we talked about this yesterday. So he, he got this. He got this. Was yesterday we talked? Monday. Monday. I get no days mixed up. Oh, goodness. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Ooh, sweating. Think about this. Um, let me coach you here, Larry. You got somebody out there. They need what you have. They need what you have. May not be the one, but hey, we, we'll go through it. We'll learn and we'll go to the next one. But they need what you have. So. No doubt. No Let's doubt. go. <laughs> smile and dial. Smile and help out people. Let's see if we can give this a whirl. What, what do you what do you do when you're uh, when when you're preparing for someone to pick up? What's your personal uh, your your personal thing that you do? Ooh, that's a good question, Larry. What I try to do is focus on. I mean, it's, it's not always easy. You get distracted, um, but I, I sometimes I have their LinkedIn profile open up or mm -hmm. their company. 
uh, information or a Salesforce. And I just try to think about what I'm going to say during that first that first opening. And I for me, I do the same thing over and over. Like usually when I, I you call direct dials. So I give myself a minute to reset. I just ask, you know, the person if this is that person, most people answer say hello. So I just, you know, think in my head, I'm just need just need to get them to respond. So I'm just like, Hi, is this Larry? Um, give me a second to collect myself. He said, yeah. Two reasons why Todd Capone talks about this. Uh, no, it's not Todd. David Hoffel talks about this. Two things people think about when they when you call them on a cold call is they, they have these questions in the head. Who, who are you and why are you calling? Who are you and why are you calling? And if you can answer those two, you're in a good spot. That why needs to be critical. That's where the value comes in. Um, hey, I'm a salesperson just trying to do a cold call. Like, no, no. Um, the hey, reason I'm reaching out. Is hey, how's it going, comrade? That's okay. What time is the, is the better time for me to give you a ring back? Uh, Monster Connect. It's Larry Long over at Monster Connect. Three. That that's perfect. I'll call you three o'clock Pacific. Thank you, comrade. Have a good meeting. Bye. Head, heading into a meeting how oh. do you how do you overcome that or do you overcome that no definitely i you can't overcome i mean not like you can't you know the you got to respect people's time and people are busy doing their thing so uh, i would he still needs to know the why though monster connect i don't know who monster connect may, maybe he does maybe he doesn't necessarily know who they are but tell them why um that you give them a quick why why you're calling so you might say something to nature i know you're going into the meeting can i just tell you why i'm reaching why i decided to reach out to you um, and see if it makes sense to call you back later. Yeah. Man. All right. Yeah. And then they tell you why. So they say, okay, you know what I'll do? I'll send you an email if that's okay. And we can book a time um, because you got the time already. Three o'clock. Say the email I have for you is Larry at ABC.com. Is that correct? Great. I'm just going to put it on the calendar then for a 15 minute meeting. So I can go back into that when we talk later, um, later on at three o'clock Pacific time. But Man, Donald, one and done. You gave me great feedback next time heading into a meeting. Hmm. Let them know, hey, I'm going to call you back, but here goes why. Monster Connect, and this is the reason why I'm calling you. Hey, Donald, before we wrap, I know that we've got one minute left. Let's go. I want to know what's that next chapter look like for you. What's on the horizon for Donald MF, a.k.a. C. <laughs> Kelly, and the sales evangelist, TSC? What's up? Um, Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. Um, you Everyone know Mr. Beast, right? Yeah. Somebody share this with me. How many people are on this planet, Larry? I said this earlier. Three billion? Eight billion people. Eight. Eight billion people. Larry, what percentage of those people speak English? Ooh, you got me there. I asked Alexa. Alexa will tell you. It's going, stop, Alexa. (laughs) 20% of the world population speak English. So you ask what's what's next? Um, That's all I'm going to say. Global domination, global domination. So think about that. Mr. Beast, his content is in more than one language. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, que pasa, loco? Pale uh, hey, bien. Mi esposa es dominicana. Yo estudié español para seis años en la escuela. Y mi hijo habla español también. Y um, muchos amigos, amigos y amigas en la, en la sur de Florida hablan español también. So I need to practice some more, but I studied for six years. And Larry, I'm telling you. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
<laughs> Mi esposa es de Argentina. Show entiendo yeah. mucho, yeah. pero hablo un poquito. Lo siento yeah. mucho. Donald, I cannot thank you enough for joining us on the Cold Calling Podcast. For all those folks listening in, please give Donald some love. Where can folks find you? So obviously we're on LinkedIn right here. So go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn, Donald C. Kelly. Just search Donald C. Kelly. But if you want free stuff, you want some content, you want some of our trainings that we offer, go to the salesevangelist.com. Uh, take advantage of those. Um, take advantage of some of our, get on our newsletter. We send out some uh, insights and uh, strategies to help you out. Again, the vision here, we want to help individuals who are like me. And I want to be the number one sales education organization in the world. In order to do that, I got to help a lot of people. So we want to help you. So let's go ahead and do so. I love it. Thank you so much for helping so many folks, myself included. We appreciate all your insights, Donald. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. Quick reminder to the folks out there, please make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you bash that subscribe. Make sure you leave a review. And this is just a friendly reminder. Please join us next Wednesday, August 16th. We'll be back. Same bad, bad time, same bad place, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific. Our next guest, the Birdman. What happened to that boy? Nathan Bird, who's a sales leader. He's actually a sales professional that I hired. I got him to leave soccer or football in order to get into sales, and he's killing it. So we're going to go ahead and shoot a goal after we just got that goal. Donald, thank you so much for coming out. God bless you, and good night. Thank you, DK. We'll holler at you, brother.